This is Tech Talk Today, episode 269. Welcome into Tech Talk Today, episode 269. I'm Chris. And I'm Angela. Hello, Angers. It's our end of the week, one episode away from the season finale. And you'll never guess what I'm doing after the episode today. I'll give you a hint. I'm going somewhere that I used to always complain about when I was in contracting. Uh, well, clearly that's Seattle. <laughs> you got it. Yeah, I'm going down to Seattle after we record the show today. But for a good reason this week, uh, our buddy uh, Martin Wimpress, a.k.a. Wimpy, is in town from Ubuntu Podcast and uh, Linux Unplugged and, of course, employee at Canonical. He's here doing work stuff. Awesome. Yeah, once we wrap up here, I'm going to jump on. I'm thinking about taking the train down. That would be epic. Meet up with Wes. So, in fact, oh, yeah. you know, if you're in the area and you're hearing this episode today and you want to meet up, I, I'll, I'll extend the invitation to you, dear audience. Let me know at Chris LAS on Twitter or hit me up same on Telegram and let me know because we're going. We're going to go to a brewery. Nice. I know. Hey, a hot note coming in here, Ange, from um, somebody. I don't, we don't have, I was going to make up like a name of like a production person. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like we need like a Gertrude or like a, like a Larry or some Norman. 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 Like the balloon. Okay. Uh, Hot uh, note in from Norman, the production assistant here in the studio. And we have a limited time deal that I'd really encourage you guys to take advantage of. Go to do.co slash action and get a $100 limited time credit at DigitalOcean for new accounts. Do.co slash action. $100. $100. I know. I saw somebody on Twitter tweet us that they had just cashed in that $100 mm, credit. That is sweet. DigitalOcean is simple cloud hosting that is dedicated to offering the most intuitive and easy way for you to spin up infrastructure on their crazy great systems. SSDs for all of their systems, 40 gigabit connections coming into them hypervisors, a data center that is, well, not just one, not just two. You know what? They got eight data centers all over the world and then they top it all off with a dashboard for days. You've never seen a dashboard like this and an API that's so clear and so well documented, it could become your first language. Hashtag just saying. Do.co slash action. DigitalOcean gets out of the way so you and your teams can build, deploy, and start getting work done. And the best part is it's easy to scale up when you need it. They got block storage. They have a Amazon S3 compatible storage. It's really cool. So many neat projects being built around that. In fact, they have some documentation on their site right now about optimizing your WordPress site using DigitalOcean Spaces. It's bulletproof, super fast, and there's so many great features you can build on top of that. do.co slash action. And a big thank you to DigitalOcean for sponsoring Tech Talk today. And thanks, Norman, for bringing us this hot note. You got hot notes and hot tips. <laughs> and I got some hot follow-ups. So at the beginning of the week, I said something really dumb. I was even I was even going to grab a clip of it just so I could give myself a hard time. <laughs> and, and, and the worst part is, is I edit this show. And I heard it in editing, and I didn't cut it. Well, you were kind of busy. In a rush. Yeah. No, I didn't cut it because later on I said the right number. And I thought, oh, everybody will know that I just... No, no, uh, no, I made a big mistake. What is... What is uh, you should try asking the lady to ask her what what is the current population of the U.S. You should try asking that. You like say the yeah. A word. Yeah, go ahead. See it. See what happens. Alexa, what is the current U.S. population? The population of the United States is about 324 million. Yeah, and it says uh, when I searched Google, it said 325 million. And in the episode at the beginning of the week, 
I said five hundred million. It was quick math. It well, what very I was, rough. I was math. <laughs> what I got. I got I got my big numbers mixed up. Is I got my population number mixed up with total Facebook user reach. Uh, yes, which right. was worldwide. That's yeah. a worldwide number. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but let's talk about that Facebook story. That was the big story this week, as we predicted. And there's been lots of reaction to this Cambridge Analytica data breach. Facebook has announced it will limit developer access to user data in response to the Cambridge Analytica scandal. And there'll be tightening down controls. And today, SpaceX founder Elon Musk piled on as he announced that he would be deleting, or at least have staff delete, the SpaceX and Tesla Motors Facebook pages. (laughs) But why? Like, just as a... Like a, a solidarity thing, don't support Facebook, or well, it's not like he was injecting or had any data there that he's not sharing with right, everybody. Right. So this so. is uh, to understand why this has happened. You got to get some context here. This has been a rough week with pressure specifically building on Mark Zuckerberg all week long. So it has been reported that Mark Zuckerberg may actually be coming out with a public statement sometime in the next 24 hours. Now he has chosen to stay silent on this for quite some time and that has really left a vacuum for the public and lawmakers to really intensely scrutinize this company and it's even led to increasing suspicions among these lawmakers but right now they are facing a probe by the FTC to see if they have potentially violated a decree back in 2011 about data privacy. Yeah, an FTC probe is no fun thing. And you heard her in there like, we're waiting for Mark Zuckerberg to make a statement. Where's Mark Zuckerberg? Why hasn't Mark Zuckerberg said anything? Well, he finally did in the form of a Facebook post. This just in, so you'll excuse me while I read this. So we were waiting for this, right, Ashley? We knew that this was going to be coming within the 24 hours. Here it is. So essentially, they are doing a post, the CEO, Facebook CEO, Mark Zuckerberg, on Facebook, saying here's an update on the Cambridge Analytica situation, including the steps that the company has already taken and the next steps to address this important issue. So this is quite a long posting. They are going through a timeline of events. There were a lot of people, Ashley, and you and I know this, who were saying, why have we not heard from Mark Zuckerberg or this? But this wasn't enough. In fact, it it took Mark Zuckerberg himself to come on camera at at, during an interview at CNN at the Facebook headquarters where he just came out and apologizes. So this was a major breach of trust. And and I'm really sorry that this happened. He's really sorry, Ange. He's yeah. really sorry. But the problem is the interview, like, and this happens a lot when Mark Zuckerberg goes out in public. The interview sort of paints him, and he does it to himself. It's not like through tricky editing. It sort of paints him as over his head for running a company like this at this global scale. If you told me in 2004, when I was getting started with Facebook, that a big part of my responsibility today would be to help protect the integrity of elections against interference by other governments, um, you know, I, I wouldn't have really believed that that was going to be something that, that I would have to work on 14 years later. I'm going to challenge we're, you. We're here now. I'm going to challenge you. Have you and done we're going to make sure that we do a good job at Have it. you done a good enough job yet? Um, well, I, I think we will see. But, you know, I think what's clear is that in 2016, we were not as on top of a number of issues as we should have, whether it was Russian interference, um, or fake news. Yeah, don't 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 say that. Don't say you're not on top of issues. He does actually go on to say, well, we were better with the French elections recently. But after this immense pressure, he's taken five days to respond. And then he goes on CNN and he essentially apologizes and says that they dropped the ball for the last year. That brings you to today where 
folks like Elon Musk and many, many others are deleting Facebook pages. It's like become a movement now. Mm -hmm. So one of the things they said, uh, Cambridge Analytica, is in this last week is that uh, they know you better than your friends after analyzing 100 likes and that they know you better than a spouse will ever know you and can predict your behaviors after 300 likes. I... I call BS. On me too. That. Me like, too. Yeah, that seems, no. that seems hype. You right? know, and like in our case, we've known each other for 19 years. I yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I think that's I think that's hype because you know the other thing is is people only share like a slice of their life and their opinion on Facebook, and people have a have a have a much deeper life than yeah. what they share publicly. So you can't really get a complete picture. You right? get you get a picture of a part of them. I've yeah, I've recently ran into an issue for that exact thing. Somebody stalking my Instagram. And then making a conclusion, a completely inaccurate conclusion, causing issues yep. in my life. Causing so, <laughs> yeah. But also, you know, I don't I, I do like posts often, but I I tend to not like politically charged ones or, yeah. you know, just because I. I yeah. You but want to get in on that. No, I have not considered shutting down my Facebook page at all. No, hmm. it's yeah. I, it, I did toy with the idea. Uh, the thing is, is like I think it's true for you, too. It's like I totally know what I'm getting into. Unless they're collecting something that I'm unaware of. But in my estimation, the way I look at it is they're collecting even more than I can even consider. Same with Google, right? Sure. Same with Twitter. All these companies that are monetizing off your data, they're collecting and figuring out things about you that you never even considered. That's the exchange. Mm-hmm. That And um, I also have toyed with the idea, well, what about feeding it false information? <laughs> right. Well, actually, some people have considered the 23andMe. You know, they don't want their genetics to be out there. So they register it with a false name. Okay, but the problem is you're still providing a shipping address, and once your family does it, yeah. your DNA is connected to it, yeah. and bam, they know who you are. Like there's yeah. there's no false name. You know, you're not fooling anybody. Yeah, yeah. It's like I know that the, even when I go to a website that has like a like button on it, Facebook's probably tracking the IP that I visited from. You know, even if right, I'm not at Facebook.com, right. so they're they're always watching, and uh, the cops are always watching Craigslist, and as a result, Craigslist has pulled all personal ads after the passage of a sex trafficking bill that's just gone through Congress. It's a new sex trafficking bill that puts more liability on the websites so think of um like the uh, craigslist personal sections you know uh, men seeking women and women seeking men and vice versa and Mm -hmm. they're shutting all that down because congress just passed hr 1865 fosta f-o-s-t-a seeking to subject websites to criminal and civil liability when third parties misuse online personals unlawfully so if somebody had a bad uh, experience after a personal ad craigslist would be liable wow so this is the end of personal ads on craigslist well it's not just craigslist reddit has also banned certain subreddits uh, several with ties uh, to personal dating sites and the internet is shrinking yeah it is this is crazy yeah supporters of the bill say that it was a bill that's been narrowly tailored to deliver justice for victims shut out of the civil court system Hmm. um well, yeah. I guess you just got to go to the dating apps. <laughs> Although I bet the dating apps have the, I mean, when they be talk about building the same a profile, thing? though, talk about right. you want to talk about something that's building a profile on you. You're it's, right. It's those data. It's, yeah, that's a data rich thing. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, to me, smaller tech companies are the ones that are really going to get screwed because there are certain uh, sex positive small companies uh-huh. that are 
essentially getting chilled out of business now by this. Right. You know what I just realized is that maybe Facebook should tell me what kind of guys I'm interested in. <laughs> because when I went to set up a dating profile, like I was like, holy crap, I have no idea what my, you know, like what? I don't yeah. even, I don't even yeah. know. So maybe they could use some of their insights to help you yeah, out. Yeah. Right? Get something for that data. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, if uh, you live in the EU, your data is going to be definitely more protected it's time for us to discuss the GDPR here on the show. The GDPR is the European Union's General Data Protection Regulation, and uh, it's designed to harmonize your data privacy. GDPR, the General Data Protection Regulation, is an EU regulation that aims to harmonize the data protection regulations and strengthen data protection for all individuals in the European Union. After four years of preparation and discussion, the GDPR was approved by the European Parliament on April 14, 2016. The GDPR starts to apply in May 25, 2018. So May 25, 2018 is when the GDPR goes into action. And it is all about protecting data, which that's a pretty interesting discussion to have in light of the recent Facebook Cambridge Analytica data breach. What do they consider data? Personal data is defined as any information related to a natural person or data subject that can be used to identify the person directly or indirectly. Data breaches which may pose a risk to individuals must be notified to affected individuals without undue delay and to the data protection authorities within 72 hours. Data protection authorities. And it doesn't just apply to folks inside the EU. If you have customers that are in this in the EU, but you operate outside of it, still applies to you. GDPR applies to almost all companies operating in the EU. The regulation applies also to organizations outside the European Union if they collect or process personal data of EU residents. So this has caused companies like Google to really evaluate how they're going to do business. And wow. so for the case of Google, to, to comply now with the GDPR, Google is asking publishers in Europe to obtain consent for data use and targeting under the new GDPR themselves, and then come to Google once they've gotten all of those approvals. Ah, pass the buck, yep. wow. <laughs> Jeez, are you kidding me? Well, I yeah. wonder, is Facebook even going to be an option for Facebook, people over there? Facebook says this is limiting their growth, their potential growth right now in of one of course. their analyst calls. Yeah, and the problem is this thing has some real teeth. In case of a data breach, organizations can be fined up to 4% of annual global turnover, or 20 million euro, depending on which one is higher. Which one's more? Wow. So if you $20 million, but if you make more than that and the percentage works out, you pay that fine. So this is a serious issue that I feel like the U.S. companies are not thinking about at all because it's not getting talked about over here. It's yeah. getting talked about a lot over, over in the EU, but over here in the States, nobody's really talking about this. So I got links in the show notes if you want to know more and if this might affect your business. It's probably worth it. It just reading. feels like a bubble. You know, we're mm -hmm. in a bubble and we're keeps, we keep stacking on all these restrictions and it's just going to... So there's a great book that I recommend about three times a year. It's called The Master Switch by Tim Wu. And I read it years ago. And man, is it not playing out word for word. And it's essentially the cableization of the internet. And he goes back to the invention of the telegram, to radio, to broadcast television, to then cable television, and shows how each time every single medium was declared as the great equalizer in communication. It's the great democratization of knowledge. The radio was going to bring communications and knowledge to everyone around the world, and anyone could have a radio broadcast. 
And then over the years, it became the, the domain of massive corporations with tons of regulations. And now nobody can be on the radio. Right. Same thing's now happening to the Internet. Same yeah. thing happened to cable TV. So it's a 1984 book specifically focused on communication. Yeah. When Tim was really, yeah, it's the master switch and uh, he's a great author. And uh, this next story sort of plays into this whole meta topic. So there is a new encrypted messenger that's in the barrel, Ange, and it's time for their crackdown. Investigators looking into the St. Petersburg Metro bombing in April say the attacker and his accomplices used a controversial encrypted messaging service to plan and carry out the atrocity. Oh, all right, Angers. What encrypted message service are attackers and terrorists using? Let's see. I just got a message last night that I didn't ask for. Got a notification and everything, you know, vibration. Telegram has hit 200 million users, so I am <laughs> guessing it's probably Telegram. Yes, you are correct. It is Telegram. Yes, Telegram is in the barrel now. Russia's top court ruled Tuesday that Telegram will have to comply with their encryption regulations. Telegram now has, like Ange said, 200 million users and 15 days to provide communication regulations in Russia with the encryption keys to, go to decode Telegram's messages. Doing so, of course, would put Telegram in compliance with anti-terrorism rules, but would involve handing over everybody's communication. Right, I was going to say, but it wouldn't it wouldn't work in the EU, right? Yeah. Like, oh no, but it would. They, it but EU. I believe. But if you operate in Russia, then you need to hand over all the mm. things. Oh, okay. Telegram's founder told Bloomberg, Bloomberg News, that its company plans to appeal the ruling, which should drag the process out deep into the summer months. He said. Wow. So that's one thing. Uh, the SFB, which is Russia's federal security service, argues that uh, possessing the encryption keys themselves is not a violation of users' privacy. It's only under court order in which then they can use those keys, so they're not violating anyone's privacy. They'll hold on to the keys, but they won't use them unless the court tells them it's okay. Of course, a lawyer representing Telegram told reporters that, uh, and this has gone all the way up to Russia's Supreme Court, by the way, forcing Telegram to hand over the keys is nuts. The, S the FSB's argument that encryption keys can't be considered private information is defended by the Constitution is cunning. It's like saying... I've got a password from your email, but I don't control your email. I just have the possibility to read it when I want. Mm -hmm. The Russian State Communications Agency has been at odds with Telegram ever since it accused the messaging platform of being the instrumental communications tool used by terrorists, which you just heard me play there. The, they claim that Telegram was used by terrorists who plotted and suicide bombed in St. Petersburg in 2017 that killed 15 people. I've seen this a lot. The, tele, the Telegram messaging app has also been linked to several high-profile crimes such as the murder of a priest in Normandy by ISIS radicals. And in Spain, authorities said that a man was suspected of plotting an ISIS-inspired attack in Colombia, using Telegram to do it all. The pressure is getting turned up on Telegram. No and kidding. Yeah, I don't really know where this is going to go for them. Uh, probably not good, though, you know. Yeah, and, and this is this is just the start of it, too. This is just Russia. Just Russia. So, it's going to happen here in the States, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're going to do the same thing. Yeah, it's all evil Russia until we do the same exact thing. <laughs> right? You know, here's a story that I, I kind of think is not a bad idea. New York City could become the first American city to grant employees the right to disconnect. The right to disconnect. New York City could become the first American city to encourage a work-life balance by prohibiting bosses from requiring employees to be on call 24-7. Wow. Yeah, the right to disconnect bill. 
this is a quote uh, from the councilman that's trying to push this. I think that because of technology, the lines have been blurred on when the workday begins and when the workday ends. And there are employees who take advantage, or I'm sorry, employers who take advantage of that, he says. Sure, that's but it's reasoning. also choice on the employee part, you know. That's what's funny is legislation doesn't prohibit employees or employers from communicating after work hours voluntarily. Right. So then how committed are you, Ange? How come you're not voluntarily replying? Aren't you committed? <laughs> Don't you want us to succeed? You know, that just, that's where that goes. Yep. Now, there is um, some fines here. So an employer would get fined $250 every time it's found to have a uh, required employee to respond after hours. You and I have worked for businesses that would happily pay that to get oh, something fixed after I thought hours. you were going to say, I thought you were going to say, both of us have worked for a company where we were required to be on call 24 hours. Oh, yeah, we have. You know, yeah. you for IT yeah. and me for medical. Yeah. And the thing is, like, with medical supplies, if if a feeding pump fails for a child, I have yeah. to replace it. I can't not. Or a yeah. concentrator right. being somebody oxygenated. Well, in, in IT, they would just pass that $250 fine on to the client. Yeah, <laughs> right, <laughs> That's yeah. part of our emergency yeah, rate. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you do. No big deal. It does go up from there. Um, you can get up to a maximum of $500 fine for the first offense and then $750 if it happens for a second time and 1000 if it happens for a third time. Per employee? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. L- like? Yeah, per employee, per violation. Okay. So it's got, I mean, it could get, so it could get... But you know what? If you're a really motiva- motivated and dedicated employee, then you're probably not complaining. Right. Mm, so that's Interesting. That is. I like the idea in a sense, though, because it is a problem, especially mm-hmm. since everybody got email in their pockets. Well, I say, you know, as opposed to passing a law, like how about we just have better educational, you know, things about work-life balance? There you go. You know, Another in- incentivize for reasons to actually have that balance. Yeah. Amazon is planning for dealing with those crazy humans. Uh, check the if you're if you're listening to the podcast version of Tech Talk today, and you have a podcast player that supports chapters. Check your album art right now. This is ridiculous. Amazon has patented delivery drones that detect screaming, flapping of human arms, and may even smell human fear. What? Yeah. So this patent gives us some real good insights into how Amazon's going to actually deliver these packages via drone. Of course, as you know, I'm talking about U.S. patent U.S. 9459620B1, which covers how an unmanned drone might interact with and respond to humans it encounters while making a delivery. This is creepy AF. So this is from the actual patent. The management system may be configured to receive human gestures via the sensor device and in response, instruct the propulsion device to affect an adjustment to behavior to the unmanned aerial vehicle. Human gestures may include visible gestures, audible gestures, and other gestures capable of recognition by an unmanned vehicle. And they have this patent of this cartoon dude waving his hands trying to get the drone's attention. A person who waves their arms in a shooing gesture would be read as telling the drone to fly away. While someone who makes an inviting motion like, come on in, tells the drone that's where the package should be left. The pa- uh, I know, yeah, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Remember that one, kid. Yes. <laughs> this is how you can get free PSA. stuff. PSA. <laughs> uh, the patent also covers various methods of drones that might use uh, other data to ascertain if a package should be left with someone, ranging from direct visual identification of your face Creepy. to an authentication sequence between you, 
the user and the smartphone. Yeah, I, I could just see it now, like the drone requests for you to enter in a code, right? Yeah. And But instead, you just disable the drone yeah. <laughs> and take the package. Yeah, you start just, come on in, come on in. Wow. Yeah, it doesn't really talk about how they're going to uh, deal with trolling, um, which they say, uh, they, saw, they call false responses or griefing is what they call uh -huh. it. But uh, yeah, it doesn't talk about that. I can just see it. Retreat to roof. But <laughs> it's going to potentially be smelling you. And it's going to be watching your gesture to see if you're saying, go away, go on, don't, don't. and uh, <laughs> Like the neighbor in front of me would probably do. Oh, man. Then you wouldn't get your package. Yeah. Angie's neighbor hates drones. Yeah. Really quick, while we're talking about data, remember how we were talking about MoviePass and the CEO who yes. was bragging about how much data they get on you? Mm -hmm. And I said, yeah, they had lowered the price for a limited time. They lowered it again. What? Yeah. It's now six ninety five per month. And this is just your TechSnap public service announcement. There's a reason why it's so cheap. They're collecting all of the data on you. So be prepared for that. <laughs> 695 is almost almost worth it. It's Well, yeah, that's you, like a um, that's less than a single a ticket. A third, yeah, yeah, a third of a ticket right there. I know. There's such jerks because they want to capture your entire evening and Ugh. that tells you how valuable that data is. Mm -hmm. That's how valuable that is. Oh, man. All right, well, let's do a little space corner. Uh, I like having some space corners every now and then on the show. You're listening to the takeoff several years ago of Tingdong One, China's big, they call it Celestial Palace, that was an international space station that only had Chinese on it, and it was a big deal. And it's a big station up there. Very pretty. Has a beautiful interior. There's just one problem. As you say, they lost contact with it. And of course, if you can't send commands up, you can't fire thrusters. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people probably don't realize that objects in low Earth orbit, you think it's a vacuum up there. Mm -hmm. But it's really not. There's still a trace amount of atmosphere. And so as all spacecraft plow through that at very high speeds, it slowly but surely erodes the orbit. They call it atmospheric drag, and it slowly but surely will descend. It happens to the space station, mm -hmm. except the space station, they fire rocket thrusters and constantly reboost it. Right. But since they've lost contact with the spacecraft... They have no control at all. No control, which means it's going to come down on its own no matter what. Yeah, the Chinese with, have lost control of this thing. With people in it? I don't think there's people in it anymore. I actually tried to find that out. Okay. And, and I, I didn't get a clear answer. Wow. I don't think so. Um, and here's the best part is, first of all, it's due to crash land on April 1st. Go figure. Isn't that great? Yeah. And then the other thing is, is there's a chance that a small amount of extremely hazardous debris may be present in the wreckage. Well, of well, course. Hydrazine is a, is a propellant used for maneuvering thrusters, for example, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. It's extraordinarily toxic. Mm. It is very, very nasty stuff. This is a spacecraft that's big enough that at least some pieces will probably survive the reentry to hit the ground somewhere. Mm. So I guess the concern, if there really is a concern, uh, is if uh, you know some component hit the ground that might have some hydrazine in it or something they would want the public to stay away. So I've got a map linked in the show notes that shows worst case scenario on where the sucker's going to crash. And pretty good chance it's going to crash in the water. Because we've got a lot good. of water. Yeah. However, there is a band that seems to include Southern Oregon and Mid-California. Uh, that whole band across the U.S., that region, which goes to yeah. New York and Maine. That whole area is in the uh, potential crash trajectory, as well as uh, parts of the EU and Russia. So it's, it's, it's likely to crash into the water. It's also possible, because this thing's so big and so heavy, it is actually possible to just hit the ground and not completely break up. 
and with some hazardous uh, chemicals in there. Yeah, well, because if they lost contact and they weren't able to do the thrusters, then yeah, there's going to be some stuff left over. You know, this is why you just got to get like some sort of spaceship and just send people up there and do a quick fix. I mean, that's what they would do in Star Trek, or that's what Bruce Willis does. I just don't even understand it. So yeah, take a take a um, uh, a bit of of I'd say take a a dash of caution when it comes to the Tingong One, but I wouldn't worry too much about it. You're probably not going to die, and if you're not going to die, then you might as well invest in a Kickstarter. It's time for our Kickstarter of the week, Andrews. Kick it! All right, so this week we got something special. It is kind of crazy. This, I don't even think you'd believe us if it wasn't a real thing. Like, if we didn't have a link and audio, you would think we were making this one up. And I got to tell you, it just crossed the threshold. So they were looking for just a meager, humble $15,000. Okay. And they've just, as of today crossed that threshold and raised $15,615 with 27 days left to go. This, my friends, is perhaps the best Kickstarter we've ever covered. This is a slice of sauce. It's sliced ketchup. Hi there, my name is Emily Williams and I am the creator of The Slice of Sauce. Growing up in a small town in Michigan, my father owned a restaurant where he was famous for his flavor-packed sauces. Cut to 30 years later, I knew I needed to get back to my roots, so I ditched the business suit and put on an apron. After several months of experimenting with my father's recipes, ketchup emerged in a new solid form. It's a slice of ketchup. I'm Tack, and I used to be Emily's boss. Hey, Tack. But when Emily told me about the slice of sauce, I knew it was something I wanted to be part of. So we partnered up and even turned my garage into a test kitchen. We've since learned that the slice is going to revolutionize the way that we sauce. The slice is going to revolutionize it, Ange. So many things come to mind. First of all, you watched the video, right? Yeah, I you did. noticed that the guy looks like he just got in a bar fight. Yeah. He's got a ginormous, it might be a birthmark. birthmark so I, I feel bad if it is, but it looked like a big bruise it was with some swelling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But okay. So in, in the 19 years that I've known Chris, his pants or his shirt gets sauced. That's true. Every meal. Never fail. Sometimes yeah. it's before he's even taken yeah. a bite. Yeah. And sometimes he's all proud that he's made it through the meal. And then, and it, then happens. it happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have had, I have worn many of just one, like one wearing of a shirt where it's in its prime. And then after that, it gets ruined. <laughs> right. So anyway, I am worried. Like, it sounds like you think it's pretty cool. I think it's nasty. But it, I, I, you're a sauce guy. And when you That's true. eat a burger, I like it saucy. You like it saucy. I like it. I like it dripping wet. Yeah. But if, <laughs> if if it's a slice of ketchup solidified, yeah, is it gonna provide the uh, same? Did, so you watch the video? Yeah. Did you see when they're cooking with it? It doesn't like loosen up and melt. It I mean, stays, ketchup is already weird. It looks like a fruit roll-up. That's what it looks like. Yes. It right, looks a like leathered a leathered ketchup. Yeah, it looks like leathered ketchup. I don't know, Angie. I just feel like. I feel like you're not uh, you're not taking part of the slice age. You need to get current. So here's your chance to be one of the first to try our innovative product and join us in the slice age. It's gonna be like the first man on the moon, except this time the moon is a sandwich. The moon's a sandwich, Ange. <laughs> oh my God. Come on, Ange. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I you know this is one of those things you gotta put in your mouth and really see if it's good or not. Uh, twenty five dollars helps you spread the slice. Uh, you uh, you got uh, you got some twenty you got twenty five bucks. You can spread the slice. <laughs> uh, you can get grab three packs of slice sauce in their signature recipe. They'll get uh, barbecue and then ketchup. Okay, a couple things. You need to work a subscription service into this, don't they? I only eat ketchup on two things. Okay, McDonald's cheeseburger, which I haven't had McDonald's cheeseburger for 
I don't know, half yeah, a year. With no damn pickles. With no pickles. And then barbecued pork. Right? Oh, sure. Yeah. You can't, I mean, can you, you imagine no, 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 trimming you a slice no. to fit your barbecue no, pork? No, you can't do that. No. <laughs> so, oh. I, and then also um, our daughter, Abby, she uh, she loves ketchup. Mm-hmm. She uses a lot of it. Mm-hmm. I think she'd be pretty disappointed in trying to dip her chicken strip into a slice of ketchup. Yeah, it's definitely not for the dippers. <laughs> or it's... I guess you could wrap it. I don't oh, know. No, this is weird. This horrible. is so weird. Yeah. I wonder how it tastes. I, it, I would put it in my mouth and give it a go, but I, I just don't know about this. I mean, is it worth it? Ten bucks, you can get uh, eight individual slices in their signature recipe ketchup flavor. Uh, this is a limited time thing for ten bucks. If they were shipping this sooner than June, I would give this a go for the show. You but know what? The season's almost over, so there's no point. But- Guaranteed, July Heinz or Hunts will have a kitchen sl- a k- ketchup slice. Oh man, I bet you are right. That is going to be. This probably is an idea that will get some legs. Yes. And then the, the bigger guys will just figure out how to ship it. Okay. All right. So if this hits, the next year, we need to have a barbecue here and serve with ketchup and mustard slices. Yeah. Right? <laughs> oh, just, oh like, man! Ultimate mustard test. slices. Yeah. Of course. Yes. And you could because, have like onion relish slices. Because that's what gets all over my hands is that mustard. <laughs> you could have all kinds of. Why stop at ketchup and barbecue? Yep. The world is ready. Your for sauce slices. oyster. <laughs> You know what? I am I am stepping up to the slice age. I think I'm not back in this project though. No. This is not getting the, I'm, so we're both giving this the uh, the old fail there. I think so. N- not getting not getting backed by Tech Talk today. Well, we do have one more episode of the season, and there are rumors of season two. So go to techtalk.today slash contact and let us know anything you feel like talking about, including if you would back this, if you have any insights on the GDPR stuff that's coming in, we would love to hear your thoughts, especially from across the pond. TechTalk.today slash contact, TechTalk.today slash subscribe for all the links to subscribe and uh, just the website in general. And also, uh, I'd be really curious to know if you like the sliced ketchup idea. Yeah, I know. Me too. You can respond to me on Twitter at Angers, A-N-G-E-R-Z, and Chris is at Chris Lass. Yeah, CC if they have such a thing on Twitter. Me and that. I'd like to know too. And then you can follow the whole network. The whole network's at Jupiter Signal for announcements and uh, news and things like that. And last but not least, while you're over at the network, why not check out the TechSnap show, techsnap.systems. Go give it a listen. Wes and I just put out a new episode explaining all of the big hoopla around these AMD flaws you've probably been hearing a lot about. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week. (laughs) 